Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.info. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Well, for 27 years I have spoken to you. And uh, for 45 years, I've had a wife who pushed me forward. So, things are good today. I tell you this because Lisa fell, broke her hip yesterday, and she's in, will have surgery sometime today. But in talk late yesterday evening, talking with her, she said, You go and preach. So I thank you, Miss Mort. The Apostle John is the one who wrote these words. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Apostle Paul later wrote these words that Salvation, a right relationship with God, is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The free gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. To believe in Jesus means that we trust him and we follow him, both as Savior but also as as Lord. But that always begs the question, how? How do we Trust and follow him. And so this morning I begin a series on initial steps because you may be asking or somebody may be asking you, maybe after witnessing recent baptisms, what are the steps? Uh, how do I begin to follow Jesus? And so I want you to know my, my, my goal this morning is not, to, is not to reduce New Testament down to step-by-step plan to earn <clears throat> salvation because you can't do that but rather to the obvious ways, the tangible ways, in which Jesus expects us to initially surrender ourselves to his lordship. And to to illustrate this, there is a a story about a well-known gangster back in the 1940s, 1950s named Mickey Cohan. Mickey was involved in a mob. He ran a prostitution ring. He ordered the deaths of many in communities around the country. He was just known as a a pretty bad guy, as you might imagine. But one of his associates, it turns out, attended an evangelistic meeting and turned himself towards Christ. And he began to visit with Mickey Cohen about turning his life over to Christ as well. And as he talked to him about believing in who Jesus is, he is the Christ, he is the Son of God. Well, as the story goes, Cohen said, is that what it means to be a Christian? And the man said, yes, you believe in who Jesus is. He is God's Son, come in the flesh. And Cohen said that he believed in who Jesus was. Well, Cohen began to call himself a Christian gangster. But he kept running his prostitution ring and kept having people murdered all across the country. So his associate went back to visit with him again, explaining to him that being a Christian meant you change your lifestyle. And when Cohen understood that, he closed the door. 
on Christianity because he wasn't willing to repent. Believing in Jesus is a really great way to begin, but it's a really sad way to finish. James 2, 19, even the demons believe. After the church began on the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, incredible things began to happen in Jerusalem. The apostles had been given miraculous gifts through the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter and John were going around to many places and performing miraculous deeds and, and healing many, many people. And in the third chapter of Acts, Luke records Peter and John healing a man who had been lame all of his life. He was a well-known character. He was, at, he was lying at these, these gates into the city of Jerusalem day in and day out. Everybody knew him unable to walk at the mercy of other people's generosity, but through the power of Jesus Christ, he was healed. Everybody was astonished. A crowd gathered together in Jerusalem in no time. And so Peter takes the opportunity to address the crowd and to declare the good news of Jesus Christ, Acts 3, verse 12. And though he does not announce a topic, by the time you get to the end of his message, the subject is clear. It is repentance. Peter establishes that this miracle was performed because of faith in Jesus Christ. He points out that the very people in the audience were some who were responsible for the death of Jesus Christ. And as a result of that, that God had raised him from the dead three days later. And that they were witnesses of this fact, verse 15. That they had seen him come back after the grave. And that this man you see that has been healed, it is in Jesus' name. And the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him. Verse 19, Peter said, now re repent of your sin and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. And then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. Well, all I want us to do this morning is just ask ourselves three questions, okay? And the first one is this. Well, what does it mean to repent? Well, it means conviction. It means you realize that you have sinned. It means that you, you understand we have fallen short of the glory of God. You realize that the Holy Spirit convicts you of personal wrongs in your life, the way that you're living or the way that you're treating people. Many in the Bible came to this point. The prophet Isaiah, woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips, he said. Uh, Peter said, I am a sinful man. The apostle Paul said, what a wretched man I am. And later Paul wrote instructing the church in Rome this way, that the wages of sin, the, pay, the payday of sin is death. But the gift of God, is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord, Romans 6.23. You see, sometimes we skip, sometimes we skip those uh, initial, uh, excuse me, we skip the second part of, of, this, uh, of this verse. The wages of sin is death, that's true, but the good news is the second part. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Somebody described this, uh, they called it the art of dodging repentance. The art of dodging repentance. 
saying one way we do this is by playing the comparison game, comparing ourselves to other people. Their sin is so much worse than mine. <laughs> I mean, so mine's easier to overlook. I mean, ooh, look how bad they are, right? Uh, we put ourselves in a different category. We, we aren't perfect, but we're much better than they are, right? After all, nobody's perfect. God understands we're, we're only human. But that's, that's really not the way God's economy works, is it? Although God created us to do good, our good deeds cannot rid us of any of our sin. To repent means that we no longer ignore our sin. Instead of, being, instead of that, we're being convicted, acutely aware of the mistakes we've made. The Holy Spirit shows us where we need to repent if we'll listen. He tugs at us. He, he, he pulls at our hearts and our conscience. In John 16, verse 8, Jesus said, When he comes, the Holy Spirit, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Repentance is an individual thing. Jesus said, unless you repent, that's the singular, you, unless you repent. Peter said in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized every one of you. That's, again, singular. Repentance isn't something that can be done by proxy or done by your parents or done by your kids or done by your preacher. It's an individual decision. Or else it is not conviction and it is not repentance. In the first chapter of Paul's letter to the Romans, he speaks of those that we might refer to as major sinners, right? There's that whole list of, of oh, terrible sins, right, there in, in the first chapter. But in the second chapter of Romans... Paul speaks of what we might call respectable sins. He talks about people who, who might look down on other people, uh, comparing themselves to, to those who, are, who aren't as spiritual as, as we are, the sin of judging one another. But later in chapter 2 of Romans, he refers to those that we would call religious sinners. These were people who thought that they could earn their way into God's favor. They were Jews, and they were covenant people, and they just thought that they obviously were deserving of this right relationship with God and that they would do it themselves. Today, that may be us in church. It may be those of us who, who think it's all about being a, a part of the right church, right? We, and, 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 uh, and, and somehow or the other, we, we come in this concept that God owes us eternal life because, I don't know, because we've, well, because we've endured so many of Jim Brewer's sermons, that's why. Uh, we deserve something. Um, but, but, but sin separates us from God. And serves as a continual reminder that we just don't measure up. Some of you may remember as a kid going to an amusement park. And, and you remember the little signs. And it says, you know, you know if, if you've got to be uh, this tall to, uh, to ride this ride. And here's the little fact that you, that you learned. Your, brother, your older brother was a half inch too short. And you were six inches too short. Neither one of you got to ride. It didn't matter. You know, you, you, this comparison thing sometimes isn't a very good deal. The truth that Jesus gives us is that Paul points out is none of us measure up. Some of us rebel against God. Some of us are more respectable than others, we think. And some of us just want to put on our boots and earn it our own way. And yet none of us can find eternal life in that way. So repentance means that we're convicted of our sin, it also means contrition, that we're brokenhearted by it. I'm contrite. 
it pains me to think about what I've done. You, you, you know, we rarely pause to, uh, to consider the consequences of our sins. One family had a rule for their teenagers that when they came in at night, there was a curfew, there was a curfew, but when they came in at night, uh, you had to, no matter what time it was, you had to announce what time you were arriving. And so, you, and so one o'clock in the morning came, which was the curfew, and the youngest son had not come in yet. One fifteen, the parents began to worry. One thirty, they didn't know what was going on. At 2 a.m. in the morning, the youngest son walks in the door and proudly announces, I'm home, Mom and Dad, and whatever the punishment, it was worth it. <laughs> All right, that is not contrition, right? That is not contrition. That is not repentance. Repentance means your heart is contrite. King David was convicted by his sin, by, by, by the prophet Nathan. His heart became contrite, it says. David realized how far away from God that he had allowed himself to stray. And, and we're, given, we're given the opportunity to peek into David's um, spiritual life in his Psalm 51. I, don't, I can't think of another passage, actually, that shows such soul-searching repentance when he says, God against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. All sin is against God. And whenever I sin, it ought to remind me I don't love Jesus enough. When I choose sin, it, it ought to break my heart because when Jesus hung on the cross, it, our sin broke his heart. Repentance should bring a hatred of sin in our life. So to repent means there is conviction, there is contrition, and there's a change. When mistakes are made, there has to be effort made not to repeat them. A, a decision made to, to go, to move in a different direction. Kind of like the guy who received a paycheck that week, and, he, and it was $100 more than he was supposed to get. He didn't say anything. The next week he got paid, and his check was $100 less than he was supposed to get. So... He went to the payroll office and complained about them making errors, and they said, you didn't complain last week. He said, I know, but, but it's, it's beginning to get to be a habit. So, <laughs> Well, as you surrender yourself to the Lord Jesus as Lord, you will sin less. And some of those habits can be broken, not by, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. That's what, remember, that's what the Lord said to, to Zerubbabel we talked about last week. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Sometimes when you get married, you think that this is the person that uh, you love. You couldn't imagine loving anybody anymore. And then... Uh, the longer you're married, you begin to realize you love them more today than you did back then. Well, it's the same with your relationship with God. As you read God's Word, as you spend time in fellowship with His people, as you, as you allow His Spirit to, to live in you and work in you, change you, it happen, that, that, what happens is you, you want to hurt God less. You love Him more. And your actions prove your your repentance. In Acts 26, 20, Paul said he had preached from the very beginning that they should repent and turn to God and demonstrate their repentance 
by their deeds. So, that's what repentance means, right? Conviction, contrition, change. The second question is, how do we, how do we repent? Well, to, to repent is a change of direction. Now, sometimes what we experience is not really repentance, unless it is accompanied by a change of direction. You may, be, you may feel upset, you may feel, feel remorse, but it's because you got caught, not because you were sorry that you had hurt God. That's not repentance. When Paul wrote the Corinthians in the second letter, he delineated between two types of sorrow. He called it a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. In 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow, Paul said, brings repentance and leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly, worldly uh, sorrow brings, brings death. The, the NLT interprets it correctly. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. But worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. So worldly says, I, 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 I'm bothered that people found out about this. Godly sorrow makes a conscious decision to say, I want to change, and, and I'm sorry I've hurt you, God. So conscious decisions are needed to, to change your direction. It's kind of like the guy who signed up for an exercise class. The, the instructor said, be sure and wear loose clothing. And the guy replied, if I had any loose clothing, I wouldn't be signing up for this class. You know? <laughs> so, so it's important that we choose a different direction in order to change. Repentance demands a, a break, a radical break with past mistakes to begin to move forward in a completely new way. When it comes to sin, it's kind of like swimming. It's a lot easier to swim with the current than it is to swim against the current, isn't it? And we're better at covering up things than we are at opening up. Like David, King David, we may wonder what God would do if we opened up that cobweb-covered door of secret sin in our life. Well, I'm happy to tell you the Apostle John tells us what God will do. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That is what God will do. And some of you here, you know, let's just be honest. Some of you here this morning because you felt guilty about what you did last week or maybe last night. And, and maybe, maybe this, this being here uh, or maybe even watching online you, is an expression of repentance for that, which is good, but it needs to go much, much deeper and re be reflected in a change of direction. And this direction indicates a change of behavior. Back to, to Acts chapter 3, the word repentance there denotes a change of, context, uh, of uh, conduct, a, a new beginning. When we become disciples of Christ, when we become followers of Jesus and bear the name of Christ, uh, we need to keep in mind, we don't want God wondering, uh, you know, or, or wanting to tell us, change your name or, or change your conduct. You know, you're, which are you? Repentance, and by the way, repentance is not a one-time act. Well, I repented back, you know. It's not. It's, a, it's an ongoing, yielding 
surrendering of our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And if we want to be a good representative of Jesus, we, if we want to wear his name well, we, we, want to, we want to repent on a regular basis so God can continue to work in us and through us. That's why. Well, why should we repent? Well, I'm going to just, real simply, out of Acts 3 and verse 19, Peter gives three benefits, three benefits to repenting. First of all, there's relief. Relief. We experience relief because our sins are wiped out. Forgiveness is given to us freely, and, and, and all of our sin is for, forgotten and vanquished. What an incredible sense of relief that brings, and those of us who've been there know that. Next, there is refreshment. There's a, a clearing of the conscience. A common theme throughout Scripture is this idea of, of, of a clearing or a refreshing of your relationship, which is the third thing. You have a renewed relationship. You're at peace with God, and you're at peace with one another, which is a great benefit to have your relationship rejuvenated with the Lord God Almighty. A lot of times when you see a, a new baby and somebody, we bring them to church and they run, they say, who, who, do you think the, who do you think the baby looks like? I've done this a lot. My answer is, it looks like a baby. I, uh... Now, by the time they get to be five, you begin to see a little resemblance, you know, maybe 14, 15, you say, oh, yeah, well, now you can tell who, who, they, who, they, who they belong to, right? And by the time you go to a family reunion and, and, and the, the baby's now 21, you know, got some of the same mannerisms, the same laugh, they're built the same way, you know, this is a spitting image. Well, just as that is true, when you first repent and turn your life over to Jesus Christ, you may not look very much like Jesus. You may not resemble your heavenly father very much, but as the years go by and as you strive with his spirit to imitate him by surrendering to him, he transforms your life into his image. That's the goal. That's the goal. And people may see there's something different about you, and then when they get to know your Savior, they begin to realize the similarities. So let me ask, some of you have been Christians for many, many years, some of us for a long time. Do you look any different today than you did, say, 10 years ago? When people look at me, ask yourself, when people look at me, do they see more of Jesus or more of Jim? And some of us are like the, unpro like the prodigal son. The more, you know, the prodigal son, the more he did... What he liked, the less he liked what he did. When we hit bottom and there's nowhere to look but up, when life gets so tangled up, there's really no way to begin to unravel it. Then we look to God and we repent. And what we find is this. God is able to change us. God is able to change us. Paul gave a list of sinners in need of repentance in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And then he said, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. But then he said, and such were some of you. But they had repented. Changed their direction. Turned their life over to Jesus. And he made all the difference in the world. 
but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Isn't that great news? God can change us. Whether we are the rebellious or the respectable or the religious, you need Jesus Christ. You need to repent. You must repent. And God is able to change you. God can give you a new start. So if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life this morning, today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I, I, I see and I understand. We'd love to walk you through that. Others of us may need to say, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be part of this congregation. I'm going to bear the name of Christ. I'm going to wear it well, and I'm going, I'm going to grow. Others, maybe we just need to return, rededicate ourselves. And let repentance be a part of our everyday life. Folks, repentance allows us to one day stand before a perfect God and experience his amazing grace. And we're going to sing that. It reminds us. You think about your life as we stand together and sing. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.info. There you'll find event calendars, important announcements, ways to give, and to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.